The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money. Hi, welcome to the Online Marketing Show. This is Joey Bushnell. Today I'm joined by one of the UK's top copywriters, Alan Forrest-Smith. Go to orangebeetle.com to find out more. Alan, thank you for coming on the show. That's fine, Joey. It's my pleasure. Alan, how did you become a copywriter? Uh, Around uh, 1989, which is a million years ago, of course, (laughs) I, I opened my very first high street business, which was a hair salon because I used to be a hairdresser. And um, by 1990, 91, um, we, we'd almost gone bust because I had no idea how to take the business to market. So really, I, I accidentally fell into copywriting because I had to discover really how to take a business to market. I mean, before being a hairdresser, I'd been a landscape gardener. Before being a landscape gardener, I walked out of school at 15. So I wasn't exactly what you call educated. <clears throat> so to suddenly have a business where, you know, there was a ton of bills to pay, I just had my first child, just buy my second house. God, it was a bit crazy, really. Mm-hmm. So so really, understanding copy was never the objective, really, but the objective really was, you know, how do you communicate with uh, clients or customers and get them to buy from me or our salon? That was the objective. And that's where I kind of fell into... I never say copywriting because it was never copywriting initially. That's where I fell into understanding how to write words and put the words together to make actually something take place within the business, which, of course, was to make some cash, some profit. So that's how I fell into it, really, Joey. And and as a copywriter, by around the year probably 1995, 98, around those times, I'm not sure clients used to ask me who had created the adverts for the business. And I used to say, well, you know, I'd, I'd do them myself. And one or two clients started to ask me, and they used to, they used to say, well, you know, brilliant adverts, uh, can you create one for me? And that's what I used to do. I never used to charge them, actually, in the early days, because I, I had no idea what to do. Um, and by 1999, um, I got my first paying client, which was, was a, an accountant, and he paid me 500 quid. And basically, I copied three letters out of this book, this really old book that I found. I thought, you know, that's a cool idea. It probably worked for this guy. (laughs) So I copied these three letters, uh, and I gave them to the guy, and he paid me 500 quid. And about two months later, he sent me an email. He said, you know, thanks so much for the letters. It worked brilliantly well. And really, it was only stuff I'd been doing in my own salons anyway. But And that was how I fell into it, Joey. Okay, and you've been copywriting and teaching copywriting ever since. Are you doing a few other things these days as well, Alan? You said before the call that you were doing some consulting and mentoring as well. Well, the, the main thing I've always done with clients is really what I would call building business. You know, and it's usually turnaround stuff or breakthrough stuff that I've, I've been working on. I mean, I created a you know three million pounds hairdressing business, um, so I know how to turn businesses around. So the copywriting is an aspect that. You know, because I have written, I've written quite a few, 
you know, what people would call million pound letters. I've done quite a few of those over the years. So you kind of get almost um, famous within that world for, for doing one thing, which was writing a sales letter. But yeah, I mean, most of my business is done through a consultancy, one-on-one clients, um, and lots and lots of mentoring. Uh, I just have a handful of premium mentoring clients every year as well. At the moment, I'm just working with three really brilliant new students. So yeah, I do a lot of stuff really, Joey, lots of stuff. Cool, that's a great story. And um, copywriting is one thing that you do really well. In fact, you've done it so well, so many times, you know, we're talking million pound plus type of sales letters here. That really qualifies you to be able to speak on the subject. So I'd love to know some of your copywriting tips. I heard an interview a little while back that you did a few years ago about story copy. And this is what I'd love to talk about with you today, if that's okay. First of all, Alan, what is story copy? Well, what we have to do is we have to go back to, you know, being children and almost being babies. And, you know, you can, we we cannot remember, of course, but maybe, I mean, I've had four children, so I I can relate to this as well. But um, when you speak to your own children, even while they're inside their mother's stomach, and then when they come out, you tell them stories. And then when they're old enough to sit on your knee, you tell them stories. And they go to nursery and they go to lower school, middle school and higher school. It's completely laced and interwoven continually, almost on a daily basis, with stories. So the the human psyche is already set up to read or to hear a story. And you can tell an exciting story or you can, you know, you know what it's like, Joey, you meet a guy in the pub. He tells you the worst story you've ever heard in your life. It's monotone. There's no excitement, and you're thinking, God, I hope somebody comes and rescues me fast. <laughs> no, so you think those kind of people. And the truth is, story and sales copy is, is the same. You know, we have to speak to people uh, on a level that they're already, tuned, they're already tuned into. That's the first thing. So when I say tuned into, you know, for example, you may have somebody who wants to um, – if you wants to buy like a, a classic uh, Mustang, like an old American car, he really wants a classic one of these things. So he's read the stories, he's read all the things, he, he's really tuned into it, his psyche is there already, everything about Mustangs he's already tuned into. So what we have to do is we have to join the conversation or join the story. And, you know, for instance, if we start to sell Mustangs, Rather than saying, uh, you know, 1958 uh, Ford Mustang, uh, 41,000 miles, blah, blah, blah. What we would do is we would say something along, well, we should say something along the lines of, um, you know, uh, it it, it began one Tuesday morning. I had a phone call at 9.15, a guy on the phone who told me that he discovered this 1958 red Ford Mustang lying in a barn covered in hay and an old canvas. And despite the fact that two of the wings had already decomposed, all four flyers were uh, four tires were flat, and the paint was peeling off every corner. Uh, you know, we, we went, we drove a thousand miles, picked up this car, put it on the trailer. Uh, everywhere we drove, every lights we stopped at, every time we went through, everybody stared at this car. So you see what begins to happen. We start to tell a story. So rather than talk about the product for sale. We join the conversation. So what's the conversation our target market is already having? Mm-hmm. And then we join the conversation with a story. And, you know, again, just to re-emphasize, the reason behind the story is 
that psychologically from a very, very, very young age, stories are already built into the human psyche. So that's why stories are so important because as soon as we start telling a story, as soon as I start telling you a story, John, you go, oh, so we stop and we listen. And it's because we're already trained, you know, through 20, 30, 40, 50 years, we're already trained to listen. And of course, it's good manners to listen as well, even if it's a crap story. That's a good point. Yeah, we're, we're trained to uh, listen to stories. Is that the reason why, in your opinion, that this works so well? Just because from a very young age, that's how we learn to communicate and we take that into our adult life as well. You, people don't want to be sold something they don't want to buy. But when people are ready to buy, you want to be sold. So, for instance, I went into, um, I moved all my stuff over to Apple. I'd read everything about Apple, and I was ready to, coincidentally, my, my big server, which I've had since 2003, I was terrified of changing it, completely crashed. So it was a good enough reason to upgrade to, like, an iMac 27-inch, blah, blah, blah. So when I went in... I wanted somebody to really sell me this and just, you know, I have my credit card reserves. I just said, yeah, I want everything on it. Just put one in a box and let me have it. So I was ready to buy. I was all ready to buy. They could have told me stories, whatever they wanted to. I was ready to buy. So when people are ready to buy, the best way to sell it to them is through telling them a story. Because people are not interested in the, like the, the hard sale, the hard pitch, unless... And, you know, unless it's something they know nothing about. So it's, it's almost like features and benefits to some extent, but the story is still the great way to do it, always is. Do you have any real-life examples of when you've written copy for a client that you think the story was the big reason why the copy worked so well? Yeah, I had a client uh, from a TV studio on the South Bank in London. Uh, these guys are filmmakers, so they're filmmakers for hire. So, so they'll travel anywhere to do the filmmaking. But what I didn't know when I worked with these guys is there's lots of filmmakers out there for hire as well. Who And the, the thing can be price-based also. Now, this little campaign I did for these guys pulled in uh, £250,000 every month. Wow. So it was, it was a brilliantly effective campaign for them. So what I did is I, I listened to... Um, I listened to everything they, they talked about. I listened to everything they'd been through. And I listened to all the excitement and everything else that they've been through. And he told me the story that he said to me, he said, once, uh, we even, I, I said, how far will you go for your clients? He said, well, once, um, we got to this film shoot. I, I don't remember the country, say it was Spain. We got to this shoot in Spain. And we found out that when we got there, one of the cameras that we really needed was actually broke. So to get one shipped over, it was going to take a week. To get one uh, coming this way, it was going to cost so much, blah, blah, blah. So he said, we actually worked out that it would be cheaper to stick John back on a plane, flying back to the, to the studio on the South Bank, pick up a camera and come back. And I thought, God, well, so we, we sat there and talked about this. And I thought, well, he'd got a taxi from the hotel to the airport, then a plane from the airport to London, then, uh, then he got a train and a tube and a taxi and blah, 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 all this stuff. So the story was that, uh, uh, you, you know, apart from the fact that they've won all these awards and everything else, the story was that whatever it needs to make your, your shoot be a success, if we have to get two planes, three trains, 
five cars, travel 7,000 miles at our own expense, we will do that. And that was where the story, in the, in the ads that we ran in the uh, magazines, the movie magazines, that was how it was. In fact, I've still got a copy of that ad. I can send you a copy. You can put it on your uh, website if you want. So the, the story was all about the, the length they would go to, and it was also about the the story of how they won awards and so on. So there was a lot of stories in there, actually. Yeah, and at 250 grand a month, pounds, I mean, <laughs> it's very hard to say no to. It's not bad, yeah. It's, it's definitely not bad. I love the uh, the absolute lengths that they would go to as well to make sure that the shot goes absolutely perfectly. It's, of course, music to their ears, to the people who are reading that and would be interested in this. So I see exactly why that sales letter worked so well. So how long or short should story copy be? Is there a set length or does it just depend on the story? Well, I'll tell you a little story. When I used to, um, I used to do a trick for my children when they were really young. And the trick was simple. <laughs> when I used to put them to bed at night, with having four children, I, I had to read them a story every night. Well, I didn't have to, but it was something I loved to do. Um, but the problem was, of course, when you get to the fourth child, whoever's in line, you've just had enough of reading stories for 20 minutes, <laughs> and really you just want to go and relax yourself. So what I used to do was, with my daughter, Lily, I used to get the book, and I used to open it, saying there was 20 pages in the book, well, when I was getting a little bit tired, I would stick two pages together and turn them over. So she would then say to me, have you missed a bit? Uh. <laughs> and I would say, no. She says, you have, because children always have their favourite book. She said, you've missed a bit when Angelina, I forgot the name now, the rat, the mouse, the ballet, the Angelina Ballerina. She said, you've missed a bit where Angelina Ballerina does this. And I used to have to say, oh, God, yeah, I must have had the pages stuck together. <laughs> So, so the real question is, a story needs to be as long as it has to be to make sure the story is complete. Okay. So, you know, copy people, it's a, one of the most common questions I get asked these days, how long should copy be? Well, the copy should have a beginning, a middle and an end. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I've just written a letter for a guy that's 37 pages. Uh, I wrote a letter for a guy the other week, was, which was one and a half pages. Okay. So... As long as you have the elements in there, you know, the elements, which is the, 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 the headline that pulls them in, uh, the middle bit and the close at the end, that is long enough. So th- there's no real answer to uh, how long should copy be. It should just be long enough. Okay, and do you have any tips for making it readable so that they actually read the entire story? I mean, 37 pages sounds like quite a lot, Alan. I could see that maybe uh, a lot of people wouldn't get through the whole thing. So what are your tips on making sure that it does get read? Look, a page, a story, a piece of copy, an advert or anything has to be interesting. If it's still a sound, nobody's going to read it. It's as simple as that. So, you know, there is tricks that are probably far too long to just discuss on this call. But, you know, basically, you have to remember that, first of all, you write the copy for one person. Even if it's going to a million people on your list, you write it just for one person always. You have a conversation with that individual. You know, sometimes you have to take them by the hand and lead them through the conversation. Every paragraph has to be interesting. You know, and if it's not interesting, you have to... Uh, you know, the other secret to good copy, of course, is a good edit as well. You know, an edit can uh, it can add and it can take away um, words or paragraphs I mean, I've written a, you know, 50-page piece, which has ended up being 15 pages. So, you know, sometimes you have to be 
a little bit ruthless and really edit it heavily so that it's the flowability and the conversational manner of the, of the copy. You know, if it doesn't flow and there's no conversation going on there, it'll just fail. It will just fail. So the, I suppose the best answer is imagine the piece is a conversation piece. And if it's things that you wouldn't say in conversation, don't write it in the copy. Do you have any tips for paragraphs and formatting, that kind of stuff? Because if it's a long sales letter with many pages, um, how do you make it so that it's easy on the eye and people aren't being put off by big chunks of text and paragraphs and the rest of it? Any any tips on that? I'm assuming you're talking about online sales pages, right? Mainly, yeah. Well, well look, I mean, the, the online sales page is a completely underused tool. I mean, we have a, like a, a new kind of... Uh, a new, a new life of almost deceptive marketeers who are saying we should be doing this, we should be doing that, which in actual fact most of the time doesn't work. So, you know, an online sales piece has to be as effective as an offline sales piece. You know, people think with their eyes, people think with their imagination, people read with their minds. You know, are the graphics good? Is the formatting good? I mean, if it's a crappy graphic that has a just been stretched and completely unpixelated, it look a mess. Mm-hmm. Is everything completely optimised? Does it look slick, professional? You know, when I mentor my clients, I always say to them, I said, I said, what you need to do is take a photograph of yourself, blow it up, put it up on the wall in front of you, and every time you see that photograph, be honest with yourself and say, how do my clients see me? And actually, it's, it can have such a huge turnaround for some of my clients, because suddenly they think, God, I look like I've just walked out of 1960. You know, I need to at least shave off my sideburns or my Mexican mustache. <laughs> so, well, it has the page has to reflect what you are all about. You know, and a lot of people online won't pay a designer to design a template. I mean, we pay designers 500 quid to design a template for a web page. I mean, if you want to take a million pounds from a web page, God, you know, the, the, the page has to look amazing. So you, you have to treat it like a real business and invest and get the page looking good. It has to be formatted well. And quite honestly, Joey, every paragraph has to lead into the next paragraph. You can't have uh, dysfunctional paragraphs uh, which are just there for the sake of being there. If they are not part of the story, if they're not part of the pitch, not part of the sale, take them out. Okay, you mentioned this earlier, Alan, that there's a lot of hype and, frankly, BS in industries like internet marketing, um, as one example, uh, health and fitness, and, and some other industries where people are using all sorts of ridiculous claims, like, you know, I made $1 million in just one month. Things that we know probably aren't true. So the problem is that's kind of ruined it for everyone now, and made the true story sound less believable. I guess there's a heightened feeling of of, of distrust and scepticism. So for the honest marketers, it's ruined things a little bit. So how do we keep the story believable? Assuming that the story is a true story, how do we make sure that people believe it? Well, look, I mean, the, the, the best thing you can rely on is social proof of some kind with any copy. I mean, the, the fact is, I mean, when I started uh, internet marketing in 1998, 99, and uh, the very first thing I saw online uh, was a, um, oh, God, what's it called? A Nintendo game. 
Uh, and it was just as an affiliate. And I thought, oh, this is cool. If I can sell, start selling someone else's products and getting paid for it, it's a bit of a cool thing to do. And then I moved on from there selling other kind of products. But unfortunately, you're right, there's so many seminars who, you know, they want to drag so many people in, uh, you know, on a £47 ticket, on a free ticket, there's apparently really £1,200, but it's free just for this today. Uh, and, you know, they put a load of people on the stage who will, quite frankly, talk a load of crap about something that's completely irrelevant just to get the sale. I mean, I know because I've spoken with these guys. So you have to be very, very careful. I mean, the last thing I would advise any of my clients to do is to go to any kind of internet marketer per se. Because an internet marketer is only selling you something they've heard about. It's not something they've done themselves, make a real business and make real money. So I forgot the question now, Joey, because you, you, you hit an nerve, you see, because I, yeah. I despise so much that internet marketing um, uh, crap that's out there. You know, and, I've, and be, being a speaker myself, you know, since 2003, I've traveled all over the planet. I've seen people lose their houses, get divorced, all kinds of things, chasing this myth. That these uh, fraudsters on stage sell. So I, I am very sensitive to it, really. So you better ask the question. Yeah. Yeah. Well, basically what I was saying is that because of all of that, people in the marketplace, they just don't trust as easily anymore. And sometimes when I'm reading copy, I know for myself, if I'm reading some story copy, I just know deep down that this is a lie, that the, the story that they're telling me is not true. So how do we make it believable? You said that you know social proof was one aspect of that. Yeah, look, the, the biggest thing you can do, of course, is social proof. That, that is, without fail, the biggest thing. I mean, when I say to people, you know, uh, they say, well, how long have you been doing this? I say, well, 27 years ago, I began my first business. And in fact, the truth is, I began my first business when I was 10 years old. So, you know, if you've got 27 years, five years experience, uh, you, can, you can use that. But if you don't have that experience, the other social proof, of course, is the evidence I mean, one of my uh, mentor clients, um, been working on them for about five years now. God, this guy has done such incredible... I've never, ever worked with anyone who does SEO like this guy. This is real SEO. I mean, he recently phoned me up. He said, I'm starting to work with a caravan company in South Wales. Uh, they get five inquiries a week. And uh, that's what they've had for years. He said, no, they're getting 35 inquiries every single day. Now, he did that in three weeks. Now, that is social proof. You know, he also, he also did things like mortgages. Uh, he, has a, he has a music business that went from 500 grand a year. Uh, I think it was something like 50 million they did last year selling guitars. And it's all because of SEO and online placement and so on. So when he sells his services, what he has to talk about, if he was brand new, is the social proof. You know, take screenshots, take stats, take figures. Put the comparisons up there. Put everything up there, the social proof. You know, you can say something at the top of the page. I know you won't believe this, so I'm going to show you some facts before I tell you anything else. Or, you know, you can say something like, because I've only been doing this 12 months, I think it's probably, it's probably stronger for me to show you some facts before I talk about anything else. And, of course, the other thing you can do is, um, is frame yourself. So basically, you frame yourself around other experts. It's a little bit like taking um, a brand new uh, 2012 painter, taking one of his paintings and putting it into the, uh, the, the Tate uh, or the National Gallery and putting all the other frames of Picasso, um, Francis Bacon, 
all these other guys putting them all around his picture, and suddenly he becomes famous by association. So he frames himself. So going back to the question, you know, there's lots of things you can do. Social proof, real proof, tell really strong stories. Uh, for God's sake, if they can't do it themselves, hire a brilliant copywriter. Um, and the other thing as well is framing is a very, very powerful tool. Very powerful. What would you say to anyone listening right now who's thinking, right, I, I get the concept of story copy, but I don't have a compelling story that's going to drive sales. What would you say to that? Everybody has a compelling story. It's just most people don't know how to look for it. Everybody does. Uh, I'll give you a little example. Um, I worked with a guy who was he was actually selling, uh, I hope it's okay saying this, but it's an interesting story. He was selling sex toys that they designed. Now, these sex toys were what he called holistic sex toys. And actually, yeah, I know, I, I was laughing. It's actually, instead of being a uh, holistic sex toy, he wanted to call it an intimate massager. Now, obviously, there was a story behind this, and I said, well, what's the story? And he said, well, as a... Um, as an electrical engineer, I found out that um, um, <clears throat> if, if I could get this thing vibrating it, I can't remember, something like 120 kilowatts, kilo something, instead of 80 kilo something, um, it would be a more intense reaction at the other end. And I said to him, I said, well, just to him, do you honestly think when people buy these, People are going to be asking the question is, I wonder how fast it vibrates. Is it 80 or is it 120 kilohertz? <laughs> and this guy, I didn't work with him in the end because he wanted to stick with a story. <clears throat> but the fact is, I mean, if you go to my website, orangebeetle.com, uh, I think it's, it's one of the examples at the bottom of the page there. Uh, you can see the page I recreated for him. And he wouldn't use this page at all, just wouldn't use it because it was too sexy. But at the end of the day, that was a story. And at the end of the day, believe me, if he'd used that page, he would have sold tons and tons of tons of that product. So the, the getting back to the question is some people don't believe they have a story, but some people do have a story that they won't use. So if you're not sure about the story, it's always good to uh, have a mastermind session with uh, not friends because friends are crap to work with really because it's always very easy for a friend to say to you, you know what, Joey, you have no idea what you're talking about. Go back, go and work in the bakery again or whatever, right? So family of the same. So get a few people in your circle and always try and aim for people who are slightly above you, a slightly high level. But you know what, Joey, There's, everybody has a story and you just have to find it. And, of course, if you can only tell it in a dull way, get somebody to create it in a really exciting way that turns people on. Do we still need to include all the regular things that we do in copy or is story copy different? I'm referring to things like, um, you know, at the end, having bonuses and PSs and guarantees, testimonials and all the rest of it. Is that all still in place when it comes to story copy? Well, look, the, th the thing with bonuses and guarantees and so on, I mean, if you look at any of my stuff, um, I don't, uh, the only guarantee I offer is that I absolutely give them a 100% promise that there's no cash refund. And that is a guarantee I always offer my clients, and it works very well for me. Now, what does that guarantee do? First of all, it differentiates me as a proven expert with 27 years' experience. And it also says to them, you know, uh, there's enough stuff online now for you to research me and everything I've been doing over the past uh, few years. Do your research and then invest the $30,000 if it's for you. And people do that for coaching. So the guarantee, you know what, online there's so many amateurs trying to create this stuff. 
you know, right, right, okay, so I've done a headline, I've done a sub-headline, um, I've got testimonials. Um, it's just such a crap way of creating copy. It's unconvincing and it's weak. There's nothing wrong with bonuses, but bonuses have to be built into the copy. So instead of saying, right, so we'll stop the copy here, now we'll add the bonuses. Bonus number one, you've seen it all the time, think and grow rich, oh my God. Bonus number two, as a man thinketh. <laughs> Bonus number three, God, I'm sick of thinking, switch on the TV. <laughs> yeah. So it's just so dull. And the truth is, everybody's seen it all before. So God, you know, start thinking like a client. Start, start getting some imagination and just turn people on. I mean, God, you know, you can't bring a woman into your life unless you're sexy. It's not going to happen. So, you, you know, you, you, have to, you have to present sexy copy, which is like, you, you know, and I tell you what, if you order today, because I know this is going to really benefit you, I'm going to give you this. Don't even mention the price. They don't care. I'm going to give you this. The reason I'm going to give you this is, and when you go into it, you write another sales piece for the bonus. You don't go think and grow rich because, you know, it's the greatest book on the planet. You see, you know, as soon as you download Thinking Grow Rich, turn to page 52, it's the page that changed my life. Turn to page 76, it's the story about the gold. Turn to page 112, blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, you can use bonuses, but, you know, just remember, a lot of these young copywriters are treating people like they're androids or they're drones. You know, you've got to show respect for a human being. And a, a human being does not want a pile of junk ramming down the throat just because you have to fill out the system. So just do it a little bit softer. You know, you know, it's a little bit like you may say, so listen, Joey, I found this place, God, it's so cool. I think we should go for the weekend. You know, we can go paintballing, we can go caving, uh, we're going to camp out under the stars, massive fire, and uh, we're going to do spit roast and all that stuff. Now that's the weekend. And then he says to you, but God, even, even better, guess what else to do? We can do bungee, we can drive a tank, and we can blow up a house. And that's the bonus, right? And you go, oh my God, sign me up. And that's how it should be. So just try, uh, my suggestion is always, uh, try a little, a little bit less. That's what you have to try. And just weave it into the story as well if you use those elements. Yeah, just yeah. weave in, yeah, yeah. Finally, Alan, do you have any other tips for someone who is going to start using stories in their copywriting, anything that we might have missed out? Yeah, I mean, there's lots of tips. I mean, make sure the facts are correct and consistent. I mean, if somebody can do some research on a story that you're telling, they find the story and the facts are different or the story's different or the name's different, and mm -hmm. um, straight away you'll lose the client. You will, you will lose the sale. So make sure everything is consistent all the time. Uh, with the stories, don't be frightened of using pictures. Don't be frightened of using nice graphics. Uh, videos, audio, and anything else you can use. With a story, keep it very interesting, keep it very fresh, keep it alive. You know, another secret with stories is always ask questions. You know, so 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 when I bought my first Volkswagen Beetle, I got I got to this old guy's house, came to the door, he was about 87, and he took me to this garage where the door was locked. Do you want to know what happened next? Yeah. So you ask a question. Well, you won't believe it. He handed me the keys. I had to open this garage because he couldn't do it himself. And you know when I opened the garage door, guess what was standing there in this garage? Do you want me to tell you what was in the garage? Yeah. Right, so so you tell the story with questions. Because every time you ask a question, 
the reader will automatically, in his mind, he will go, yeah, tell me, I want to know. So it's, it's a good thing to use in a story. Um, it's something you won't see a lot of copywriters doing. It's something I've used all the time. It's massively effective. Alan, thank you so much for all the great tips that you've given us today. How do we get more of your stuff? Do you have a blog, a newsletter, or products that we can get? I mean, if you just go to my marketing website, orangebeetle.com, uh, that's orangebeetle, B-E-E-T-L-E.com, and there's all kinds of things on there. If people are interested in DVDs, there's there's my mentor course, which is a, which is a three-level course, and there's lots of stuff on there. Or if you're interested in... Um, going a little bit deeper into your mind, into your life, uh, creating a life that you really enjoy, go to alanforrestsmith.com. Uh, check out my first published book, escapefromzumanity.com. Um, and, uh, you know, just type my name into Google, uh, Forrest with two hours, and that's a Scottish way, of course. Uh, so just type my name into Google, and you'll find out a ton of stuff about me. But orangebeetle.com or alanforrestsmith.com will send you to the right places. Fantastic. And with that, we'll end things there. Thank you, everyone who joined us. See you on tomorrow's show. And Alan, thank you very much for coming on the show. The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money.